0: you listening to the awesome podcast network. Welcome back to your latest blast of the past with 80s revisited. Sequelitis continues as we debate and talk about the Karate Kid Part 2, which came out June 20th, 1986, two days before one of the most famous moments. In FIFA World Cup history when Argentinian football player Diego Maradona scores one handball goal which was nicknamed the hand of God. He then dribbled past the entire English football team to score a second goal nicknamed the goal of the century which resulted with Argentina winning 2-1 to one against England. Sorry our good friend Pete in the UK but I'll make it up to you at the end of the episode I promise <laughs> but let's get right into it right now on 80s Revisitors.
1: This is '80s Revisited. I'm your producer Jesse Sedgley, and now your host Trey Harris. Hey,
0: Miyagi, isn't that him? Hey. Can you break a log like that? Don't know. Never been attacked by Trey. He's also never been attacked by a tray. Ooh. Oh, like your eardrums are about to. The Trey Roddy Kid, Part Two. <laughs> Back with my own Mr. Miyagi, my producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. Yeah, you know, we're going to talk about Karate Kid too, right, Mr. Jesse? That's what we're going to do. That's a little more Tony Danza than Ralph Macchio, I guess, but... Karate Kid 4. Who's I the guess. Karate Kid? That's tough. Hey, Angela, who's the Karate Kid here? <laughs> I don't Sam, Sam, Sam the Karate Kid. God, such a crush on her. Alyssa Milano. Oh,
1: yeah. Back yeah. in the day. Back when she was a child. And you were a child. That is true. So
0: was, she was actually <laughs> always older. She's always the older woman. Right, right. That's Forever true. being an older woman to me. So it was fantastic back in the day. In fact, I got a funny story real quick since we like to talk about nostalgia sure. on here. When the new kids on the block were like super popular, I was in fourth grade and I remember it distinctly. And I bought one of those teen magazines because out a poster of Alyssa Milano in it that I wanted to hang mm. up in my room. And of course, it's a teen magazine, so she's fully clothed. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, it was like, oh, yeah. And there was this girl who had a crush on in fourth grade. And on the back of the Alyssa Milano, she, she, they saw it in the magazine. I brought it to the school. For, I guess I wanted to show the guys. I don't know why I brought it to school. But also maybe the girls would see it too. I don't know. I don't remember my mindset then. But anyway. Do you remember what she was wearing in the photo? A red, like, lacy thing with red, red opera gloves and her hair back. Okay. that's how well I remember Just
1: to put it in a... <laughs> to so narrow we gonna, it
0: down a little. Yeah, I was trying to find something online and I don't see anything like that. But on the back of it was one of the new kids on the block. And the girl who I liked saw that and like, oh, give me that poster, please. And, I was like, and then I was like, sure. And then I turned it over It's was like, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I chose Alyssa Milano uh, over a real girl.
1: Wow. So well, she was never going to let you down, though. That's true.
0: And she never did, so I took her off the wall. Right. And that, then, that
1: was your choice, though. Exactly.
0: I made a conscious choice at that point, point in my life. But was we're it, back. She wasn't just taken. Never been able I don't know what you did, but I have a very specific set of skills (laughs) to get back that Alyssa Milano poster. (laughs) But anyway, sequelitis continues, still infected, as we're talking about The Karate Kid Part 2, which came out June 20th, 1986, which just two episodes, or not counting this, counting this one, two episodes ago, talked about my picks for the best films of 86, and this was one of the honorable mentions, if you remember that. And also the theme song was mentioned on that, too, because it was played on the radio at some point because mm-hmm. this movie came out in 86 and makes perfect sense. But anyway, June 20, 1986, IMDb gives it a 5.9. Rotten Tomatoes, 43% critics, 51% audience. Uh, I probably just left off the estimated budget because I'm sure it probably was on IMDb. But it, However, it did open at number one for the week with 12.6 million. And however, right behind it at number four, Top Gun in its sixth week was still racing up the charts. Because remember, the, the cinema of... Orgy of 1986 really didn't start till late May with the release of Top Gun, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. So this is less than a month later, and uh, as you see, Top Gun still has its staying power. But of course, over the course of the second half of 1986, anybody's game, as we saw a couple episodes ago. Uh, however, would it would go on domestically to gross $115.1 million, and then an additional 125 worldwide, and another $58.3 million uh, in Reynolds. Actually, I'm sorry, that worldwide is combined with the domestic. Actually, I might have to double check that. I usually put a note on here if that is or not. So, just let's just say it made a lot of money. Period. Yeah. yeah. Stick with that. Yep. Uh, directed by the director of the original, John G. Alv- Al- Avildsen? I don't know. Uh, Avildsen, yeah, that sure. That sounds right. Uh, but also, he's a very notable director. He directed the first Rocky and, and the fifth one. We'll forget about the fifth one. Uh, but also, he would. In addition to Karate Kid 2, he directed the first one and the third one, bowed out at the next Karate Kid when Hillary Swank came into it. And he also directed Eight Seconds with uh, Luke Perry about, a, I forget, the, whatever cowboy just got his ball stepped on by a bull and then stabbed by a, by a, he likes to do his documentary Lane type. Lane Frost? Movie. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I only saw that movie once. I just remember he would do the little wave with his little hands, mm. like, he, like an angel in the outfield or something. Not a fan of that film. However, John G. Avildsen <laughs> did pass away just this year, actually, uh, actually a couple months ago in June. Mm. So rest in peace. Uh, Had some really great films under his belt there. Uh, written by Robert Mark Kamen, he also did the first four Karate, ki- uh, yeah, the first four Karate Kids. Since there's technically five, I guess you could say, with Jackie Chan. Uh, he would go also write Lethal Weapon 3, not 2, which will be next week, but also The Fifth Element, Transporter 1 through 4, and Taken. <laughs> Reference Taken earlier, so it all comes full there circle on the podcast. That was intentional. Yes. <laughs> and starring sure. the late and always great Pat Morita as Mr. Miyagi. Of course, Happy Days, Mulan, tons and tons of television, and he did pass away in 2005. And of course, Ralph Macchio, the one, the only, the original Karate Kid as daniel Sun. Of course, Outsiders, Karate Kid 1 through 3, My Cousin Vinny. Uh, Martin Cove reprises his role as Crease from the first one. He's also in Rambo 2, Cagney and Lacey, and also tons of television. Really common with the actors from this film. They all go on to do tons and tons of TV roles. Mm. Films, most of them, not so much. Uh, Yuji Okamoto was chosen. Uh, He was also in Better Off Dead. One of your favorite, I think, isn't that your favorite Cusack movie?
1: Um, Or one of them? yeah. It's up. It's up there. I mean, I haven't really made a list, but what's the other <laughs> one with the uh, the one with the
0: lists? I like that one too. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not a my favorite Cusack movie is probably Con Air. That's only about Happen right. and because he's in it with <laughs> Nicholas Cage. But uh, actually, one crazy summer in terms of like his movies. But uh, let's see. He was also in the Truman Show and lots of TV. Hi, Fidelity was the one with lists. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that Peter fucking Frampton? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every time we hear, because Autumn loves that movie, so anytime, like, we're somewhere. In fact, we're in District Donuts. If you're here locally, check them out. Great food. They don't pay me to say that, but I frequent that place a lot. <laughs> but anyway, we're sitting there, and she's like, is this Peter Frampton? I'm like, is this Peter fucking Frampton? Frampton like, yeah. <laughs> It's one of our one of those couple jokes. Right. Or super high-fidelity fan. Right. Fandom joke. That somebody, <laughs> hey, I get that reference. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. For- Whatever. Not that that has ever happened. Danny uh, Kamikona was Sato. He was also in Honeymoon in Vegas and Robot robo, uh, Robot, Jocks, which was sort of like a <laughs> mech fighting movie I in that. the 90s. I was about to ask if you remember that. I Absolutely. remember seeing the cover, and I was like, good God, this looks amazing. <laughs> and it, the first time I watched it, it was pretty cool. And then seeing the trailer on YouTube not too long ago, because for some reason it came up somehow when I was talking to my friend Jason, and I was like, good God. But uh, he, did, he also passed away uh, in 96, so a lot of the uh, stars of this film have already gone to their respective religions' heavens. Uh, Tamlin Tomita was Kumiko. She was in The Day After Tomorrow, Four Rooms, Babylon 5, and a lot of television shows. Uh, Nobu... Mc- nah, sorry, I'm already getting tongue-tied. Getting excited. Nobu McCarthy was Yuki. She was in lots of TV, most notably a Batman henchwoman from the 60s. Uh, she passed away in 2002, and she also played Pat Morita's fiancé, Momo in Happy Days. Mm. So they were fiancés in the world of Happy Days and then sort of engaged in this film. (laughs) In the backstory, at least. Uh, And the great William Zabka reprised his role as Johnny. Of course, Karate Kid 1, European Vacation, Back to School, and several episodes of How I Met Your Mother. Uh, Some cameos in this film. B.D. Wong, he was Boy on Street. Uh, Most notably, he's in Jurassic Park and reprised his role in Jurassic World most recently. Uh, and in a very underrated Val Kilmer film before he went a little cuckoo, *The Salton Sea*. And Clarence Gilliard Jr. is GI number two. He was in *Top Gun*, *Die Hard*, and but most notably, at least for me, because that's instantly what I recognize him from: *Walker*, *Texas Ranger*. Uh, he was the uh, James Trevette. Yeah, the uh, assist or the co-deputy or uh, Walker's partner. And uh, I would be remiss not to mention that the music was done by the great Bill Conti, of course, Rocky, Master of the Universe, Dynasty, and most notably, for most people at our age, at least, American Gladiators, mm-hmm. the original. So yeah, Karate Kid Part 2. Uh, this one, as a kid, this one was a big one as a, for me as a kid, simply because this was kind of around the time when the toy line came out for the Karate Kid as well. With the, they all had the chopping action,
1: mm-hmm.
0: obviously. So, they all had their little, like, you know, Mr. Miyagi with hand chopping action, and he came with a little, you know, little plastic board that was, you gently set up, and then whoosh, they would break them. However, the Karate Kid figures also had an amazing playset that I, excuse me, I always wanted, but I never got. But again, as you always point out, Jesse, not everybody got the GI Joe aircraft carrier. So, I guess I was, I turned out okay without the Karate <laughs> Kid Crime Alley playset or whatever it was called. In fact, there's a great commercial, it's probably on YouTube, where you just look up Karate Kid toy commercial, and you will see some white, nerdy kids doing horrible impressions of Japanese people. We'll play it right now.
1: We must to finish. Remember, daniel true strength comes from
0: heart. He's gonna do it! Awesome! Not awesome <laughs> for that undertone white racism in that commercial. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, we could have played a game of, is it racist? Is it? <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> So yeah, this one and also this one pretty much recaps the first film in the first 5 minutes. So as a kid, I watched this one probably as much as the first one, but this one just had so much more in the beginning and then it gets really boring <laughs> until the end. Maybe. Now, as a that's from the kid pers- my the young Trey perspective
1: mm-hmm.
0: to where like, "Oh, the beginning they kind of sh- it's like a, you know, a notes version of the first movie. It's great." And then boring, boring, drama, 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 fight scene at the end where Daniel-san should have got his ass kicked because <laughs> Chosen it's like, got 100 pounds on the, the matchstick. But that's not the point of the movie. But anyway, so as a kid, I still like, I enjoyed it, but, you know, it was more so one of those with the VHS, watch this part, fast forward to the end, watch something else. And usually, that's kind of how it went. And then I go play with the Karate Kid figures and get bored and then, you know... Miyagi would come train some Joes on the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, even though he's like four feet taller than them. Hmm. That was the one bad thing, like, because, uh, not a bad thing, but, you know, as a kid you have that lapse of, or you have that, I guess, easier time, like just justifying things that you're doing in terms of like, you know, G.I. Joes are like, what, three, four inches tall maybe, but then like Ninja Turtle, well, G.I. Joes might be a little shorter than that. But, you know, they're smaller than most other action figures, way smaller than He-Man, uh, I mean Barbie's a gigantic Amazon compared to a, a G.I. Joe Not that I had Barbie's to play with G.I. Joe's right. uh, you know but you know, so you couldn't really like cross the stream so to speak for the like in terms of a realism aspect but I did it all the fucking time the Ninja Turtles sometimes the Turtle Van we parked on the aircraft carrier sometimes the Teradrome would come up from the ocean and be on the deck of the aircraft carrier and only <laughs> He-Man's vehicles which were stored underneath could come out and protect him all sorts of fun stuff like that <laughs> So, yeah, but in my house, Miyagi was the one who taught the Ninja Turtles after Skeletor kidnapped Splinter. In my fan fiction action figure days. That's how it went down. Yep. And also, it was weird, too, because if I remember correctly, the Karate Kid figures had, like, the cloth, like, real clothes. So they were almost like dolls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was just kind of, if I'm, rem- again, remembering correctly, it was just kind they were so awkward with the other figures. But, yeah, that's what they did. Miyagi's... Chalk would just take care of, you know, one-hit all the bad guys, just like in the real world. But anyway, yeah, Karate Kid 2. uh, The kid is back. Is that like the tagline? Yeah. (laughs) I was more excited to see Mr. Miyagi, to be honest.
1: There's four taglines. This time, the combat is real.
0: Mortal Kombat!
1: Or, the story continues. And finally, one more lesson to share. The price of honor. The glory of friendship. And the way you must fight when only the winner survives.
0: That was really like heartfelt until the, like the, the part in the end about death. <laughs> yeah. That this is a death match.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: They just I guess they couldn't decide. Like, oh, I like yours, Bill, Jenny. That's a great one. Hell, I love the dark twist on yours, Tom. <laughs> let's just use them all. Wow. So, but yeah, Karate Kid Two. Yeah. Uh, watching it as an uh, revisiting it as we do on the podcast. Uh, I enjoyed it infinitely more this time than I ever did as a kid because I was interested in the drama of it. And of course, as a kid, I'm mm. watching it. Yeah, I understand this. Oh, Sato's hates him because of his honor and how he left him. And it's, but as an adult, it's like, what a dick! Like this is you know hates it, him
1: because he's a dick.
0: Just totally <laughs> like he owes this grudge. And then oh, you saved my life. And you know it's t- typical. I guess you know very uh, American in its sense of honor of what. Honor is for the Japanese, since apparently we think we know that better than them, as right. evidence in this film at least. But uh, yeah, it's just and the thing that like there was uh, there's the moment here where uh, in this film where uh, the scene I want to call certain attention to, I and mean, if you if you revisit it, where uh, at spoiler alert: Miyagi's dad dies, which is the reason he goes back to Okinawa, aka Oahu, Hawaii, where they filmed it. But uh, and he's kind of like grieving. It's the day after, and he's just sitting there, and he's just kind of talking with Daniel. But like Daniel's saying, like, "Yeah, you know, Mr. Miyagi, you're like a father to me." And like you know, kind of talking, and, and then but just you have him, um, Miyagi in the foreground, and you know, two shot I every mean, now, uh, both in frame. Miyagi's up front, and everything. But his acting, like fighting back tears, was like I was like, my God, what like that was a fantastic scene. Mm. It's like God, like what an underrated actor. I mean, he did get an Oscar nomination for the first Karate Kid, if I remember correctly. But uh, you know it's it's really shocking to me when I look at when you look at Pat Morita's career. Yeah, he was in a lot of stuff. But it was a lot of TV, and he was a stand-up comic to begin with back in the day too. When Red Fox spotted him, and mm-hmm. then kind of like gave him a role in Sanford and Son. That's that's pretty much what started his career. But uh, also a little thing I found out researching Pat Morita. Uh, much like George Takei's family, he was relocated to a camp during World War II hmm. because we had constant. Well, we had camps in America, not concentration camps. We had. Relocation camps, camps, (laughs) you know, for Japanese-Americans, which was, people like to, you know, not mention that sometimes, but he -hmm. was one of the same, you know, another wonderful actor, you know, as a kid, alive in that time, forced to do that. But anyway, yeah, revisiting this film, it was, I absolutely love this one now as much as the first one, I'd say. I think think it's a good sequel. Mm. It fills in much more Miyagi's backstory, because in the first one you just get, you know, that fantastic scene where he's drunk Puts on his uniform and passes out, and then Daniel, like, you know, puts him to bed. Sort of like one of the better scenes in the original. But uh, the my real big complaints with this film is just how pretty much like first of all, let's be honest, Ralph Macchio is like 83 pounds. When uh, after Miyagi and him rescue uh, Sato from the the storm and the collapsing house that he was in, Hmm. then the girl's up on the power line, or she's up on the on the it looks like a—it's not a power line—but she climbed up this pole for some reason. And then Dan's like, "Go get it, yo! You take care of Sato. I'll get him, Mister Miyagi." And this—and then he, again, eighty-three-pound Ralph Macchio is what he looks like. Climbs up the pole, puts her around his neck behind her, and she's as big as he is. Mm. Climbs down the pole through the rain and the, everything, and then runs like tries to. I felt bad for, if it was Macchio or whoever had to like act this scene because like they you see him falling and just stumbling because you know. Let's face it; he's not Chuck Norris. Yeah, he's not built. Which that's not the point of the story. It's just, it's just that when you're an adult, you see, you see more, you see that, you recognize some ludicrous things that take you out of movies way more than when you're a kid watching it in the '80s. And it was just little stuff like that in this film that just like <clears throat> will make me giggle <laughs> because it was just so unrealistic that Daniel San could do what he's doing. No disrespect to Ralph Macchio. I mean, it's still like I said. I have much more respect for this film now than I did as a kid. Appreciated it more, would be a better way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, just from start to finish, because I put it on, I was like, "Good God!" I remember this film being like nearly two hours long. But I remembered, I remembered as a kid, like the boring gap in the middle. But you know, because this time I was really paying attention to the character development and all that kind of stuff. It was just like, okay, yeah, this is this is good. Mm-hmm. And like, a, I like I like it when sequels pick up like literally like the first one ended and here, you know, right. It's Story the same continues. movie. Exactly. Just like Halloween one and two back, like straight end to end, back to back. Mm. No real time jump. Uh, of course, that doesn't work for all sequels. And that's not a criteria for me to think it's a good sequel, but I just like that. How it's like, yeah, here's what happened. They walk out of the tournament. And in fact, that's the, the number one thing I always remember from this film is when creesh punches the windows and like both of his hands are just bloody from <laughs> punching through car windows Uh, for some reason I always thought that was at the end of the first one or or I'd get one of those mental lapses as a kid like oh yeah and then Kree's like punched through the car window no it's the beginning of this film it's not the end of the first one Hmm. Uh, which I had to like oh yeah I remember like being a kid being confused about that but now it's straight this one has the fly scene doesn't it well he actually catches the fly
1: in this one Miyagi does oh okay
0: in the first one, he's oh, beginner luck.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but in this one, if
0: I'm correctly, he actually catches one in this one and like smiles. So that's another great moment. He's like, you know, because this series, I, there's definite chemistry between Pat Morita and Ralph Macchio. I think, and chemistry is going to be a big thing on this episode and next episode too. Talking about Lethal Weapon, come uh, on, opinions about that, which we'll get to next week. But their chemistry together is just really good. It's and the thing that really makes this film so. You know, it's good, but like I'm not gonna. I don't want to overrate it because it's you know it's not the greatest film ever. Uh, but the it's the little moments in this film that just make it so good and endearing. Like it's and it's all like the personal scenes with Miyagi and uh, Daniel, just their interactions and how he's teaching him in in such a eloquent way. I guess is the way to put it. Just <clears throat> excuse me through example and just like why don't you fight him, Mister Miyagi? No, Daniel. Karate for defense only, mm. and I don't remember all the Miyagiisms from the movie, of course, but it's just those little those those little moments, and this film's got several of them, and it's just you know, for lack of a better word, it's just sweet. It's just like ah, they have a good relationship. Uh, in fact, uh, and then as we were watching it, I was on Wikipedia just looking up Pat Morita's uh, biography. Uh, it was really kind of sad because I'm assuming they remained at least in contact until Pat Maria died because Ralph Macchio was at the, Pat Maria's funeral, and he told uh, I don't know if he spoke at it or the, the situation, but he like told his family that he will always be his sensei.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, that's that's kind of you know it's it's sweet for like sure. again, um, I'm a man, but that's that's <laughs> sweet. It's really sweet. I'm not saying I wouldn't <laughs> cry if I was there. But you know, it's just, and that—that's the heart of this film, because it, you know, and again, look who directed it, same director, Rocky, yeah, Eight Seconds, whatever. And yeah, of course, he did do Karate Kid Three, which <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I've actually I've only seen Karate Kid Three once, and I never like, and I didn't like it at all. So I don't think it was in the '80s though. So, well, actually, it might have been. It probably was because this was an '86, so maybe way down the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you yeah, never had a fond memory of that, and in fact, and then yeah. Saw so the third one and the fourth one only one time. Never saw the Jackie Chan one. Not because not because it's a remake. Because I love Jackie Chan. I want. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I think that's like a two-hour oh, plus you never movie. Saw the Jackie
1: Chan one? Mm-mm. Oh, I've seen it.
0: Because uh, I think I saw like what, two hours. Like I ain't got time for this, and then <laughs> didn't, when I, you know just forgot about it until yeah. watching it for this. But are you, I mean, do you have any experience with part two as a kid or
1: not so much? Not so much. I was just looking through the photos here and. Uh...
0: Yeah, the memories weren't coming back to me for these. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do reference the Karate Kid every time we go to Disney World, and, or Epcot, I should say, and they have the, in the uh, different the World Showcase. It was either in China or Japan. They have the little drums. You know what I'm talking about? There's like the drum in the middle. It's got the two little balls, oh, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. spin it like this. And one of those. Because that's the big thing from this movie. Like, the Miyagi way of dodging attacks is like this drum. Oh, really? So well, you can see play one, the, one on the way out if you want. I will just 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 to show you what I do in Disney World, but like and every time they're like like I'll just do that like the, and I'll stare at all of them and just like what are you doing like you just don't get it. It's from the Karate Kid Part Two. <laughs> that and the ice breaking scene. That's the two of the other things I remember too. But yeah, it's a good sequel. It's uh, nothing, you know. It's nowhere near as as uh, impactful or. Uh, what's the word? I don't know. Impactful will do for now as the first In, one. Just influence Influent, That's it. That's the other I word I was looking for. Influential is the first one because, I mean, Karate Kid 1 is the one that's parodied and the one that, you know, you're the best around. Yeah. No one goes around singing, what, Power of Love? Power of Love. Yeah. Oscar-nominated song. Yeah.
1: Peter Cetera, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, a sequel, it's really hard for them to influence, like. Yeah. Back to the Future did, and everybody talks about hoverboards. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, no, it's always sleeping with your mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Calvin Klein, I saw it on your underwear. <laughs> My name is ex officio today. <laughs> it's just a one-word name now. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean that's right. But when, the, one thing this one does, though, is what Ghostbusters two to me did half right was this still felt felt like the same world. I'm still watching these same characters. And it felt like an organic sequel. There wasn't no, you might have won this tournament, Daniel, but you will never win the one next year. Just blatant excuse to have some sort of, to do the same movie again. Yeah. Uh, which this one, you know, is uh, in a nutshell, his, Miyagi gets a telegram that his father's sick. So he goes to Okinawa, takes Daniel with him. And then it's just you know this old feud, this old, and literally Mortal Kombat is what it is because Sato wants to fight him to the death for disgracing his honor. I just kept waiting for like <laughs> you know just the techno to kick in. <laughs> in fact, there's bound to be a video on YouTube where somebody does that. Yeah. But uh, you know it's it's a worthy sequel, I think. And it's uh, although we, uh, last week we kind of saved that for later, but uh, it's not better than the original. But I would highly highly say it is a worthy sequel, hmm. and I would watch it. You know, I would do a a double feature of both of them if I was in a karate kid kind of mood. But uh, anyway, some of the trivia. As I kind of heard out before, although it was set in Okinawa, Japan, it was actually shot in Oahu, Hawaii. Uh, The island was chosen because of its similar climate to Japan, its large Okinawan population, and the convenience of shooting on U.S. soil. Uh, Here's a fun fact. We live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Hawaii has the same weather we have. Hmm. Just they have the ocean and the (laughs) tropicalness but we're more inland. Right. But the
1: humidity's still there. Yeah, all the that. Humi-
0: all that kind of stuff. That's exactly how it is. It rains a lot. So come on down to Louisiana. <laughs> it's just like Hawaii without the water.
1: Without the water. Without the ocean.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, same per- amount of hurricanes. Yeah, that's true. But uh let's see. Uh, it took no uh, Principal photography took place in the northeastern area of Oahu, known as the Windward Side. The local countryside in modern-day Okinawa had been drastically changed due to the presence of military bases, so other locations in both Japan and Hawaii were scouted as alternative filming locations, but they selected a property in Oahu that was privately owned by a retired local physician who agreed to allow a portion of the land to be used in the film. Uh, So they pretty much built the entire village. Uh, on this gentleman's property, with uh, and more than three acres of planted crops, and used 50 Okinawa born Hawaiian residents uh, as extras in the film. Hmm. So, if I lended, lended my land and they like cultivated it with three acres of crops, cool. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to have corn, tomatoes, and soybeans every night for the next <laughs> month.
1: Till they die on their own
0: <laughs> uh, yeah exactly I can't water this shit <laughs> i can't take I can't tend these crops i'm not, I'm not a farmer <laughs> but it would be cool to have the set from Kawadi uh, Karate kid 2 on the on your property I'd say it'd be worth it that should be noted too that they started working on this sequel ten days after the release of the original hmm. so now when they say that that means you know they didn't like all hey. right we're ro- cameras are rolling no right. no no they started the working on the script was made. And yeah, because remember, the original came out in 84, this one came out in 86. Mm. Still, you know, a fast turnaround regardless, but uh, nevertheless, uh, that was pretty much because the first one was such a hit. But this one, part two, actually earned more at the box office than the original. Mm. So it was definitely a more profitable sequel. Uh, will you check when part three came out, if you have IMDb up? Sure. Uh, also, there were actually, and this is, kind of, like, as a kid, too, this is, this is some of the reason I, w- I was confused about the first Karate, what took place in the first one, and then in the second one. Uh, in the opening scenes such as Daniel in the shower and the confrontation in the parking lot with Creeks were in the script for the first Karate Kid, but contrary to Urban Legend were never filmed. They were shot specifically for part two.
1: Part three came out in 1989.
0: Gotcha. So about three years, so, let's see, where two years. Yeah, even though this one was even more successful, they still waited three years before doing another cash-in with the third one.
1: Yeah, the third one was June, 1989, uh, the main character, Ralph Macchio, won a Razzie <laughs> see,
0: I remember in that one because he's so much older. Yeah. You know, like that big puberty switch <laughs> just happens. So he's kind yeah. of playing the same character, but he's a little too old now. It I only guess. grossed uh, $39 million. Cool. And I remember it being bad enough to where I could see that. <laughs> but again, I only saw it once. Yeah, got a 5.0 on IMDb. Well, this one only got a 5.9, so not a big difference, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, in Magnum P.I., the eighth part of The Village, in 1982, uh, Danny Kemikona, the actor who plays Miyagi's nemesis Sato, also played a character named Sato, who was a friend of Higgins, who recently passed away, the actor, mm-hmm. from World War II. So he played Sato twice. Although not the same character. Although we can fan fiction it in <laughs> to where Sato did like, cross paths with Magnum P.I. Mm. before returning to Japan and resolving his feud with Miyagi uh elizabeth Shue was not in the sequel because she resumed her studies at harvard shortly after filming the first movie So that's why she was written out pretty much in the beginning where daniel mentions her briefly in a scene and that's why she's neither seen nor heard in this sequel uh the film's signature tune was peter's uh how do you pronounce his last name peter ceterra ceterra okay i was about to say <laughs> Oh. it's a terror. gotcha Gloria Love which was number one hit in the, which was a number one hit in the US and received an Academy Award nomination for best song which we talked about a couple episodes ago and yeah like hearing it and when the credits hit I was like oh okay yeah yeah <laughs> I've definitely heard it and it sucks <laughs> not a fan uh, of that tune and it's just very odd you know the last film you have you're the best around everybody knows it's still played today and this one, you had this song. It just seems really kind of out of place. The glory of love. That's what it was, not power of love. Oh, did I say power? Yeah. Whoops. Because that's power of love is power like you in the news from Back to the Future.
1: Yeah, so people can hear this playing from my laptop.
0: Yeah, I'm just not a fan of it. However, it should be noted that Bill Conti chose to score this movie instead of Rocky IV, which came out uh, in 85, and coincidentally, Peter Cetera originally wrote Glory of Love for Rocky fi- four, but Esther Stallone rejected it in favor of Hearts on Fire, which is a good choice, because mm. I like Hearts on Fire a lot better than Glory of Love. Mm. And it fits better, because it plays during the montage scene. You know, it's, hearts on fire, great song. Yep. Worthy of, like, you know, a sports montage. This one, mm. Glory of Love, just, no. <laughs> Doesn't fit. So it's odd, but I'm, I'm thankful that they put it at the, end, at the end of this movie and not in the montage of Rocky IV, because that would really suck. Uh, during the fight between Chosen and Miyagi, uh, when Chosen has the spear, Chosen actually strikes Miyagi on the back with a spear, and that is the only time in the entire movie series where someone actually lands a hit on Miyagi. So Chosen, you know. Wow. You kind of disgrace yourself, your honor at the end, but hey, you are the only one ever to get a hit in on Miyagi. That's saying something. Like, you know, when the villain, you know, if they ever did a foot, well, I can't do a five because Pat and passed away, but if they ever did another one, like, I seek out the one who actually landed a hit on Miyagi. <laughs> Teach me your style. There you go. There's your, there's your there plot line for the, the never to be developed fifth Karate Kid movie or six, I guess. Someone's but anyway. Rushing to the phone, calling there. <laughs> I just heard the greatest thing. You got to listen to it. <laughs> we got to strike quick before he says copyright 80s revisit in 2007. Ah, shit, he just did. Damn it, we missed it again, boss. <laughs> anyway, uh, in 1987, The Karate Kid for the NES came out, which I remember playing this game, where uh, stages two through four of the game are based on The Karate Kid Part Two, as well as two bonus games where the gamer must try to get Dan to break up up to six ice blocks and the drum technique exercise shown in the movie where the gamer tries to dodge the swinging axe as many times as they can. The thing I remember most about that game is the little mini-game we had to try to catch the flies. Ah, yes, I hear it now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I rented that game a lot. Wow. So, but had the mini-games, but actually the thing is, I rented it thinking that it was going to be like Karate Fighter, Mm -hmm. and it was not. No, this looks awful. I'm sure it is now.
1: (laughs) Well, he's doing the same move every time, and that's how he's winning.
0: <laughs> well, that's what he does in the movie. That's true. Just do the uh, crane kick, and then the, yeah, that's uh, what he's
1: doing. He's just doing crane
0: kick over and over again. Yep, yeah, most hey, it's OP, bro. And it's a legal kick. Justice hashtag Justice for Johnny. <laughs> so yeah, worthy sequel. I'd say so. Better than the original. Mm, it's same 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 ballpark, but not the same position, so to speak. Uh, but it's. It's worth seeing. It definitely holds up to the original. But uh, to me, this is where the series ended, as mm-hmm. it should have. You know, there's really nowhere else you can go. Uh, I mean, of course, yes, we're more talented and more imaginative people than are bigger fans of the series than I am. I'm sure you could think of a great place sure. worth it to go. Yeah. But this was a nice, like, you know, you have Daniel's conflict on America and his backstory, and then you have Miyagi's backstory. So you have two sides of the same coin, and everything. So it works out really nice. All the characters are happy. Daniel might get married to the, his lovely little girlfriend. Miyagi is peace with his family and the village is safe and old grudges are dead. Great place to leave these characters right off in the sunset. But that's not what happens nope. in part three. Because they were actually... I didn't write this down, but I remember reading it. So I'm kind of going from memory. So it might be a little off if somebody f- tries to fact check me. So just don't bother. Just listen. But anyway... Uh, they, original, they were originally, one of the original concepts for part two was going to be Crease's revenge, since, you know, in this small suburb of, you know, area of Los Angeles, when you beat his karate school, it's a blood feud where he's going to mm. get revenge on you by like attempting to murder you at various points in your life. But they saved that, thankfully, for part three, which is probably why I don't care for part three, because it's kind of jumped the shark, I guess. And the sad, instead, they went with Miyagi's backstory, which I think... You have an Oscar-nominated actor for a character that they did, and they did well. You got good chemistry with the leads. Let's focus on that, and they did, thankfully, for this one. So there is definitely one great sequel in the Karate Kid series, as far as I'm concerned. Score-wise, I'd give it a seven. Uh, Probably That definitely would be higher than I'd probably give it as a kid, Uh, just, again, because as a kid, the the dramatic aspect weighed it down for me because it wasn't as relatable as a kid as the first one you have the moments where Daniel's going out on a date and all that but the heavy backstory with Miyagi and his family and his village and all that didn't interest me as a kid whereas an adult that really is what made the movie great or good I should say again great so it's almost <laughs> great but it's, it's definitely good definitely worth watching if you haven't checked it out in a while uh, let's see Back to the Future I think we talked about Brigsby Bear last week yeah uh, but I did see a couple of other movies recently that came to video on demand uh, Hitman's Bodyguard, yeah, worth watching once yeah. and forget about I it. I saw that. Uh, and then American Made with Tom Cruise, which our good friend and listener in California, John Martinez, saw uh, and told me, and me and him talked a little bit about it because the character that's based on, he act, spoiler alert for this movie and this actual character who lived, he dies in real life. Yes. And he was killed. Actually, if we jumped on airline right by your house, Jesse, mm-hmm. and went about two miles north, we'd be at the site of where he was killed. Yep so yeah Barry Seals check out and that and lived but, uh,
1: over by Perkins Row.
0: yeah that's true yeah at different <laughs> times uh, that's not what you see in the movie of course but for a brief part when they were in Baton Rouge yeah. but uh, him and his bodyguard worth watching once American Made wasn't bad yeah it wasn't bad uh, I enjoyed it because uh, it's also a real story but you know heavily embellished but it was well done I, you know I guess I'd say I'd recommend watching it once
1: I watched it while I was working in this room <laughs>
0: There you go. Did you see, did you ever watch Kingsman 2? I did not. Oh. It's on my list. Nobody's seen it and I want to talk about the part so bad,
1: but I can't. I'll watch it <laughs> probably tonight. I'll try to remember. No biggie,
0: because I still haven't played South Park. So. Yeah, there you go. I'll watch it when you finish South Park. Okay. Well, just give me some time. You gotta, I need more time. But yeah, uh, I've mean, just still been trudging through The Walking Dead wondering what the hell's happening. I did watch the next episode, I think. I think I did. Whatever. got another one coming on Goodbye. Like, just a little bit Yeah, we'll <laughs> see uh, what else uh, yeah not much else because I mean we also just recorded the last one not just a few days ago so yeah <laughs> not we, much we recorded it so late yeah that's true uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else yeah. I just
1: released a teaser trailer for Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan with uh, the guy from The Office
0: <laughs> oh oh wait the wait
1: what's the name um, um, Jim from The Office, John Krasinski is Jack
0: Ryan. What? Okay, I was totally thinking I'm I'm a brain cross. Oh, I was Rain thinking of that fake that fake poster Chris Pratt share with his character from. Oh, I <laughs> had a total brain fart. Yeah,
1: yeah. So no, this is real.
0: He's the new Jack Ryan.
1: He's the new Jack Ryan, and looks. <laughs> I'm waiting for the uh, for all the photoshops of him. Oh like, yeah, they're just moving his eyes, staring at the camera. <laughs> Yeah, uh, doing his look Like, every scene, just, like... What? Yeah, he just looks at
0: the camera. <laughs> I don't have a no problem with John Krasinski, especially because I thought he was good in 13 Hours. It just doesn't seem like an action star. He does, that, and that's the issue. Like, it's just, like, it's so hard to detach.
1: 13 Hours is where he was first kind of action, right?
0: Yeah, and he, he wasn't bad in that. It, I mean, it was overdone in the beginning, but I think I, thought we, I talked about it on the podcast whenever I saw it, but it surprised me that it wasn't crap. Because I usually go in, you know, I don't yeah. like movies that are made about wars that we're still in. Yeah. Because it's we don't know all the facts just yet about any kind of situation or all that kind of sure, stuff. a One like, person's perspective and like for the lens of history to look back at things a little more clearly. But anyway, I didn't think he did. I didn't. I was like, okay, I can see him in like roles like this, but like not Captain America. Like you auditioned for Jack. I mean, he needs to be like a team member of a group, not like the guy. Yeah. Uh, I think that works out for him because it's just I, when you look at him, I can't help but it's Jim, just like you know, yeah, exactly. And so like you expect him to just look over and, and like for make him. the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's sucks if you were in that position, but he's not a bad it. actor at all. It's just yeah. that's just it's like same thing with the Coveny, I think, or Shatner. It just happens sometimes you make an iconic character, although you know Captain Kirk's a little more iconic than Jim from The Office, but right. <laughs> uh, although that new movie that he's in with his wife, where. I don't know if you've seen the trailer, but apparently you can't make any sound. You can't make any sound. It's him and Emily, Emily Blunt, and like apparently a there's, quiet place. That's it. But there's just like some creatures, and if you make noise, that's how they hunt. So you have to be like quiet at all times. Like they only walk on paths with sand, and regardless, it looks so interesting. The whole movie is quiet. <laughs> we'll see how long. Of course, it's not going to last. No, you no, know, that's the thing. <laughs> Otherwise, there wouldn't be a movie. It'd be get boring really quick. and just. Shh. But, uh... Let's do a quiet podcast.
1: <laughs> if we speak,
0: though, you'll hear us. No, I think those ASMR mics. We do ASMR, right. like, come, come over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Weird. Anyway, uh... Yeah, that kind of does it for me for Back to the Future because we just talked a couple of days ago. Anyway. Yeah. But, uh... Some housekeeping stuff. Uh... Ben with the Asia Mania podcast, uh... Gave us a lot of love on his last on the last episode of the Asia Mania podcast. Little little love, a little little venom, and I use that in a in a total com- comedic sense. But but how he like sends emails all the time, and he does, and I appreciate it, Ben. I'm just not a typer. I'm a talker. Right. I just much rather just call you up and say, Hey, Ben, what's up? Let's talk <laughs> on the podcast about stuff and all that. But yeah, I will. I you know I, that's just me. I'm just not. I'm not an email person. We talked about this a few episodes ago about. How we have so many downloads, but so few emails, because right. some people just don't. Which is fine. Could be the 80s crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to operate this. Yeah. Email. I'm waiting for their mailing address so I can finally send them a letter. But yeah, uh, you know, appreciate the shout out, Ben. And you know, I just, I'm just not an emailer, man. Just. Uh. But I, I will do something for you. I'm gonna do something. In fact, I'm gonna do something for you and for another friend. Who's not in America, reading the, uh, an email, which I promised mentioned last episode I was going to read. From my friend Pete in the UK, he says, Trey and Jesse, it's nearly 2018 and you're yet to review The Mighty Flash Gordon from 1980. What's going on, gents? Some great episodes recently, but you know Gordon's alive. Pete somewhere in the UK. And Pete and Ben, I want to make both of you extremely happy right now because after I get over this bout of sequelitis and we have a very special 200th slash 200th and 1 episode. It's going to be Request Month again, so we're going to get Flash Gordon taken care of. For you, Pete, we're going to get Hard Ticket to Hawaii taken care of for, uh, for you, Ben, because Trey keeps his promises. And again, it might take a long, long time, <laughs> but I will make good on what I say. <laughs> my word is my bond, to quote a movie, mm. a Christmas movie at that, if you, can, if you know where that's from. But yeah, so that's, gonna, that's what's going to be coming up after the next two episodes. Next week, though, Lethal Weapon 2, worthy sequel, better than the original? We'll find out. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, other shout-outs, of course, Now Versus Nostalgia, John and James, and again, our friends, our friend Ben at the Asia Mania Podcast. Uh, show him some love down there, because he's already in tomorrow and knows what's about to happen, because he's in the future. And also, email 80srevisitedgmail.com on Twitter at 80s revisited. If Again, I, didn't, I haven't checked Twitter since the uh, <laughs> last time we recorded three days ago, so I'm just going to bring it up real quick just to see if there's anything... Well, it didn't update but it did show me uh, Ben's thing where he showed us a lot of love and tweeted about it and uh Oh, okay Ben says I'll watch Ghostbusters 2 ten times out of ten over the first whoo strong words brother strong mm-hmm. words oh age visited start tweeting mate it also looks like Matt Hardy has broken I did see that video and once that's confirmed I will start watching wrestling again Matt Hardy's going to his TNA character Oh. Delete, delete, delete. Broken Matt Hardy. I never saw that. I mean, you, that episode. Or you seen like his gimmick though? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I've been watching. it. I didn't see anything. There was a, uh, <laughs> he was in a match with uh, Bray Wyatt, and then like in the end, he's in the corner. He just go. He starts delete, delete, delete. So he's still he's always done the thing. But he was actually saying like delete, like doing like the the character looked like so. I'm hoping that happens. But Ben, really? Ghostbusters 2? Ten out of ten over the first one? Hey, it's your life, buddy. <laughs> but anyway, I have nothing to say to that. Except you know, Australian's full of criminals. Oh or whatever. Full of Vigo the Carpathians. <laughs> hey, it's Vigo the Australian, eh? I'm gonna find me a baby?
1: And put another shrimp on the Bobby. Maybe there's just tubes of ooze underneath the Yeah, under you know, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's why that's the that's whole giving thing. Giving you evil thoughts, Ben. Stop that. I'm gonna go spray some goo
0: in the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> yeah. Play some Jackie Wilson and yeah. then <laughs> walk across the Pacific that, Ocean. <laughs> it's like the scene in Ghostbusters too, where they're walking like, like you know, it's, it's literally just deep enough for them to survive, and then like, let's go, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, <it was> <laughs> deep. <laughs> Who knew? The Statue of Liberty has disappeared.
1: <laughs> the Pacific Ocean was this deep. Jesus. Actually, it was, yeah. I thought it was- and all the uh, chaos we make crossing the United
0: States. <laughs> 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 yeah. But, you know, we would never have enough good vibes in this right. country today to even get it to move. That's true. One well, bit. you just have to play the song. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. They
1: did have to make good vibes. Like, everybody had to feel But good. the
0: more vibes they had, the I guess, the more... The stronger. Yeah. You know. Like the Hulk. <laughs> it's really so stupid. <laughs> it's, a, it's a statue. It doesn't have any hinges. It's just how is it doing these things? I don't it know. can't walk. But it's you know, it works for the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Barely for me. But anyway <laughs> Next week everybody, lethal weapon two. I think that's it for us this week. Unless Jesse, is there anything I forgot or no, there isn't. Excellent. In that case, until next time I remain Trey Harris. Yes, he said to leave. Kawabunga!